I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. Hey, Josh. Hey, Bo. Up beers with a twirling lawnmower. <laughs> I'm your boyfriend now, Daniel. Welcome to Very Unreasonable Things. <laughs> and if you recognize those quotes, you probably know what movie we're talking about. We are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. And we did a little research before we got started, and we know that there's like, what, 70% of the United States that listen to us now. We're reaching a lot of people. That's... That is so exciting to see. That's very exciting. And so... The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the John puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm Billy Bone, and with me is Daniel Sanders and Josh Lindsay. How are you guys doing? Hello. Howdy, howdy. Uh, good. Really good. I mean, you look uh, like, looking at the video, you're just over there glowing. Yeah, he was I, shocked in silence with our numbers. Look... Yeah, <laughs> 70% is pretty good. It's probably it's a little good. more. And I didn't do the quick math on it. But, yeah, we we were looking at looking at our charts, just kind of getting an idea. You know, we we knew that, like, our friends and family, where we're at in our respective areas, had checked it out. But, like, we got somebody in Hawaii that listened to one of our episodes. Now, apparently just one, but still. So thank you, it everyone, counts. for listening. Somebody in- There's more of you out there listening than we thought. Somebody in Australia is listening. You know, somebody in Kentucky's listening, West Virginia. I mean, it's crazy because, I mean, when we started this, which, I mean, granted, we're still a small podcast, but we mainly just do this for fun. Yeah. And so it's nice to see that apparently people are getting some enjoyment out of it. No, so you, it's cool. In all fairness, you're, you're saying listening is a, is a present tense verb. 
Well, no, because our they, downloads just are, we're we're averaging close to 100 downloads a month, which means that we still get people are still coming back. Josh, this isn't like they listen to something in the beginning and then just like screw it, I'm never coming back. No, people yeah, are listening and returning as much as even though you don't want them to, Josh. They're still doing it and they're loving it, and me and Bone I, are loving it. I only do this for me, honestly. <laughs> so no. Oh, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because I, I'm going to say, like, if I am glowing, obviously it's because I love doing this podcast with y'all. And, and it's because you still, unlike me and Daniel, got the majority of your hair on your head? Well. Yeah, you still have a beautiful, beautiful I, mane up there. I mean, oh, if, I, if my hair was like that, I'd be beaming too. Well, you have right? beautiful faces, so okay. I would drink my scotch out of a fancy glass. Really? No, I, I was going to say have a smoking jacket like you have or something. <laughs> I need a smoking jacket. Oh, but you got to get a pipe that blows bubbles since you don't smoke. Well, I'd have to s- s- start back smoking bud, you know? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But, That's what I imagine is always in Hugh Hefner's pipe. Like, what else would it be? Come on. You know, for whatever reason, I don't, like, and I'm probably just way off base on this because, you know, I'm an idiot and I don't know anything about anything. And we also, by the way, Josh, we figured it out. Daniel knows exactly 17 things in life. Yeah. Uh, okay. There's yeah. 16 more we got to figure out. But yeah. And we have to remember what the 17th is. Yeah, that's true. Because I forgot already. But um, I always thought, like, pipe tobacco didn't count as like regular smoking, you know, like that and cigars to me, they don't count as the same. It's like fancy smoking, not poor people smoking. <laughs> well, when it comes I, like, to I don't, cigars. I don't, I don't smoke cigarettes, but you know, when we went to Memphis at one time, remember Josh, we went to absinthe house and we were all smoking cigars and drinking absinthe. No, well, there's a picture of all three of us smoking cigars on the back porch. My house. Daniel's old house. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because I don't think that. you're technically supposed to inhale with a cigar, though. But people do, you know. I think that just a little bit is understandable. Yeah. Because if you oh, just smoke that it, whole fucker, you get yourself sick. It's too much. Yeah. And that night at the absinthe health uh, bone, I, I do not remember hardly I, anything about that night. I remember most of it, which is amazing. That is, that is because you were like, you had to tip the cleaning lady. Yeah. The next morning. Yeah. A 20. It, a wasn't 20. Even like, it wasn't even like, here's a five, you know, thanks for what you do. It's like, no, nah, this is a mess. Here's a 20. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which is still like not much. When I came back. I mean, in, yeah. Especially cause y'all had diarrhea all over the fucking room. $20 ain't nothing to clean that up. Well, it wasn't diarrhea. It was vomit, but. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I don't know why I didn't think that well, first. Let me ask. Even when I'm drunk, Daniel, I can put my ass on a toilet. I've never shat on the floor. <laughs> Just in my pants. Let me ask you all this. What Just a little bit. Clean up? Vomit or diarrhea? I'd rather clean up. Oh, vomit. vomit all day long. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you're really quick to answer that. And I want to agree with you. 
Well, that's because I cleaned my own children's shit. And even though that doesn't like make me queasy, I was never that, you know, guy where I was like, oh man, I can't do this. I mean, it, it stinks terribly. And you try not to get it on your hand as much as possible. But, you know. No, having having had to do both. But that's my children, and I still having, hated it. Having to have cleaned both of them up at some point in my professional career, yeah, vomit. Definitely vomit. Yeah. Yeah, it's just something about... Well, it, it, because both of them are gross, and I think, actually, vomit makes... Uh, I induce... It induces me more to vomit more as opposed to shit. Yeah. Well, here's this is something about <laughs> smelling someone's diarrhea, making you have to shit, <laughs> giving you <laughs> diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think it it depends on like in our mental mind. I'm a genius here. In our mental mind. Yeah. In our it's mental about mind. Which hole it comes out of you know. Well, see, here's my thing. I'll tell you another thing that I take into factor with it is that. Usually, when somebody vomits, it's involuntary. But some people will just shit on the floor just to be dickheads. Oh, yeah. Those are terrible, terrible, terrible people. So not only are you cleaning up somebody else's shit, but you're cleaning up somebody else's shit that they purposely put on the floor. Well, I thought we were... Well, I was mainly thinking of diarrhea. Yeah. As opposed to like a... a (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just a a lone turd hanging out in the middle of the floor. But my, no. another thing to think about is the fact that puke isn't fully processed. Yeah, you know what I mean? Corn. And shit is completely processed and just you, look, way worse. It sounds like you're making an argument for shit right now. You, you can, look, you can I'm making an argument for why I would want to pick up puke. You can keep yourself occupied shit. when you're cleaning up puke. You can be like, oh, there's a french fry. Oh, there's some corn. Oh. <laughs> it becomes an investigation. Yeah. <laughs> what did this person eat? Now I'm going to make this job fun. There you go. Oh, oh, man. There's a double-A battery. What's that doing in there? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Undigested gerbil. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah def- definitely the vomit, though. Um, so, we are... We finally made it to A Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's been a little bit of a journey to get here. Based on the way we're doing this episode, because you know we chronologically, right? And now and some listeners are going to be like, "What do you mean you finally made it to Nightmare on Elm Street? We heard it way back when." And yeah, those for those of y'all that did listen to it on SoundCloud, it was our very first episode, but it was also three movies in one. This one is just going to be a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, go a little more in depth, and now I can be here to add all of my very important that's crazies or. To me, for real, or I have two brothers. Yeah, for real's a, a good one. I should have used for real. Yeah, or the classic. I forgot what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the diehard fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I forgot what the fuck I'm talking about. So, I guess uh, let's get a little background information on the movie out there, and then we'll um, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, so Nightmare on Elm Street was released in 1984, November 9th, directed by Wes Craven, written by Wes Craven, produced by Robert Shea, starring John Saxon, Ronnie Blakely, 
Heather Langenkamp, Amanda Weiss, Nick Corey, one Johnny Depp, and of course, Robert England. Introducing Johnny gotcha. Depp. I knew there was going to be a point at some because that's another thing that you do now. I noticed you'll wait until I'm calling out fucking uh, roles, and then you'll be like, "Oh wait, 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 hold on, you forgot." It's pl- no, it's that's not that that you forgot. It's playing on the first couple times yeah. I did it, and it really uh, aggravated you. So I've kept doing it because it's then, funny to me. Uh, the music's by Charles Bernstein, distributed by New Line Cinema. Runtime of ninety-one minutes. Had a budget of one point one million dollars and raked in a cool fifty-seven million. That's just so, a good return. It is. It is. So there you go. That's uh, that's the uh, technical details on there. I know Josh is he's chomping at the bit. I see him over there just looking, waiting. He's got something to say. What is it, sir? No, it's excuse me. It's funny that you said like the runtime of ninety one minutes. This movie, it's it's crazy how much of a clip this movie runs at yeah um that's this crazy. is no well I mean, 91 <laughs> minutes 90 minutes 90 minutes right Daniel, i'm sorry and um i ain't seen this movie in its entirety i put it on in the background all the time i ain't seen it in its entirety since i watched it for that the pilot episode yeah the bullshit episode that we did and man, this movie it 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 hums. It yeah. does. It fucking hums. I it think. Does. First, and it, I, oh, go ahead. No, no, Daniel, take it. I was only just going to agree with you saying that. Yeah, and it's like because right out the gate, you know, um, it starts off with you know this man making a glove. You know what the hell is like, if you've never seen it, what the hell is this? You know, holy shit. We're about, we're seeing the, this dude's making a, some knives or whatever. And then boom, right then the glove slashing through a fucking, uh, piece of fabric. And then there's this chick. It's, there's so much that's like, it starts off with confusion and then it just starts out with a chase, you know? So it's you're zero to 60 immediately. You know, so and then it, like you said, it keeps that pace. There are some spots where it slows down to where you can get some, you know, context and some story or context and story. But like, you're right, it it does go at a pretty good pace. What um, we need to ask this question before we get too deep into the movie movement going, because uh, I know this is always one of Josh's favorite questions, and I was waiting for him to ask it. But yeah, when did you first see it? You know. What's your history with the movie? Um, you know, and yeah, Daniel. Um, it's funny because we had talked about this before and I'm probably wrong. I don't remember what I say. I just say what I'm fucking thinking in the moment, but I don't write any of this shit down. But uh, I, I remember Freddie farther back than any of the others. I think that it's like Freddie's always been there. So I'm sure that I was probably young, um, maybe five or six, had to have been the first time that I had seen Freddy, but it might not even have been the first movie, you know? Um, but for the first movie, I know for a fact that by nine, I was watching these movies regularly, you know, and very interested in everything. So 
And obviously at nine years old, I don't remember what the fuck happened to me at nine years old or what my thoughts were for a movie. But I did always like Freddy because he was so scary. Yeah. I saw it. Uh, I know it had to be on VHS. I couldn't give you an exact time frame, but I was a child and it was it was before like four or five, four and five. And those came out. I was going to say it was, I think it was before Dream Warriors had come out. So I probably saw it on VHS somewhere. Um, Cause I remember like after seeing the first one, I mean, I told you how hard it was in another story that I told on a different episode, just how some movies were hard to find. Yeah. You know, Cause I was reminiscing about VHS. Reynolds yeah. Movies. And you know, part two was always a hard movie for me to find, but I remember seeing like the standee in a video store after I'd seen the first one. I'm like, Oh, they got a part two. I want to see that. So I, I know it had to be somewhere like in that 85 to 86 range or something. Yeah. When you first saw it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, there wasn't the same type of restrictions that people have now in their kids, you know, watch horror movies, you know, and be back by dark. And now you're like, whoa, and rightfully so, because there's a lot of weird fuckers out there now doing dumb shit. But you know how it was back in the 80s. Your parents were just yeah. allowed for you to be out of their hair so they could have some quality time by themselves. Oh, you want to yeah, play yeah. with your friends? Just be back by like 830. I don't care what you do. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're you know, falling off the side of a mountain you shouldn't have been on? That's fine. As long as you're home by 830, I don't care. No, yeah, there's, some, you know. there's some 80s parenting in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Well, yeah, and I know I've I've probably talked about this a couple of times um, through the podcast, but this franchise is, and and I, I don't mean to say this is the most important franchise or my favorite franchise, but it is like the most pivotal. Um, ex- especially this first movie. Um, when I was younger, my dad was working offshore, which means he was two weeks on, two weeks home, two weeks off, two weeks home. And when he was home, like, you know, that was the time I got to spend with my dad, no matter what he was doing, you know, and he'd take me to movies that he'd want to go see. Um, I saw in 86, I saw like platoon in the theater and top gun and I fell asleep on both. But in 85, his buddy, Mike Peen came over and this was the time to where you could, you had to rent like the VHS on top of the tapes, the VHS tapes. And they'd rented karate kid, and a Nightmare on Elm Street. And they put on Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm like four years old and scares the shit out of me. I ended up like just standing behind my dad on the couch. He's sitting on the couch. I'm behind my dad and I'm just listening to the movie. And that, you know, I go to sleep with my mom that night. She's already in bed because he's, you know, drinking and smoking with his buddy. And I remember to this day, I remember the dream I had of after watching, um, after listening to this movie and it, it, it doesn't even stop there. We'll get into it when we discuss, you know, the later installments of this franchise, but 
Freddy Krueger, to me, was my boogeyman. As he's described in this movie, he was my absolute um, under-the-bed-in-the-closet boogeyman. And... My bad. Bernie really fucked up on that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. He really shrewded that. No, what he fucked up on was... When I talked to my baby mama about, like, <laughs> what should we let Isla watch? My <laughs> daughter is like, well, I watched Nightmare on the Street at four. And, yeah, yeah, it fucked me up forever. But I want my daughter to be fucked up forever, too. So, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I watch all this shit with my kids because I just, I just want to make sure that they know, hey, this is all pretend. This None of this is real. It's meant yeah. to be scary and be like, whoa, and you know, you might dream about it later or whatever. And I'm not telling them them this at three. You know, I'm doing this at appropriate ages to where it's not trying to shield them from any type of like horror content. Just, hey, none of this is real. You know, w- these people are just acting. It's just for entertainment, you know? I will say this, like. So they don't uh, take anything too serious. I remember. And I'll try to remember not to tell this story again, but because of Freddy, I became so obsessed with Freddy uh, for most of my adolescent life that when 87 came around and my dad was, you know, um, going to the movies was minding his thing. I begged him to take me to dream warriors, even though I was a complete pussy and I couldn't handle it. We left after the opening credits <laughs> because I was too scared. But I was so the opening credits of Dream Warriors was I the build the building of the house. The little kid, yes. the little kid was yes. building the fucking house on a no, popsicle stick. Patricia Arquette's character building yeah. the house. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah. And then she follows the kid. Yeah, I was like, I'm out. But I You're had like, no. to go. Had he even shown up yet? No, 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 no. <laughs> but Freddy was just, That's just funny. ever present character in my adolescence, even up until like 13, 14. I mean, it was Freddy. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd, and you hit on it, like without saying it, I think like that first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, well, I think the first three, but more so probably the first two were like legitimately scary movies and Freddy was a scary villain. And then of course, you know, you start making quips and stuff. He starts becoming a joke and we've talked about that before and we'll talk about it again. But yeah, in this first movie, man, like he's scary and like, and I, you know, I get it because it's a movie about nightmares and dreams and stuff. So how some of the stuff got more fantastical and went off in some of these directions. But like the dreams in this movie are all pretty basic. It's in the sets and shit that they have. It's like in the real areas. But yeah, and dude, like I, it, I, it scared me when I first saw it. You know, when I was younger. So yeah, you know, kudos to you, Wes Craven. I, oh yeah, for sure. Sometimes I think you're overrated, but you really nailed it on this one. Yeah, this is definitely because this affected a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people were like, some people that didn't like uh, horror, you know, 
the horror genre, they wouldn't even want to look at Freddy, but they knew who the fuck he was. They knew they didn't want to fuck with him. And the people who did like horror movies and did enjoy being scared, you know, Freddy's one that stuck with people, you know? It was a home run. Yeah, yeah so- Wes Craven oh, made a lot of people a lot of money on this. Um, a oh, lot yeah. of people who didn't believe in him, um, you know, he proved him wrong. I mean, this was a script that he had set on for a few years, and nobody in Hollywood wanted to touch it. And, yeah, I mean, that speaks volumes. Not only to this screenplay, but to the monster. Oh, yeah, and that's what I was going to say, man. Like, you're talking about making a lot of people a lot of money. Like, um, put yourself in the shoes of uh, Robert England. Like, straight up, he was just getting started, you know? And then it's like, all right, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to try this out. Or they bring it to him or whatever the case is. And it's just a shot in the dark whenever you're starting your career. And to be like, okay, cool, I'm going to be the villain in this um, in this horror movie. I'm going to be the slasher. You know, I'm going to be the uh, Michael Myers of this, um, you know, movie or whatnot. And then it changed his life forever. Nightmare on Elm Street set Nightmare on Elm Street set him up for life. Like it's just crazy to think about to be unsure about a role, you know. And then it just turns out, okay, that was the right move, you know. You think about that whenever you think of other people who passed down roles that are game changers, you know. They're like, oh man, that could have been me, but that's never the case because they might have portrayed it differently and it wouldn't have hit the same, you know. Wouldn't have been the, that perfect magic mixture, you know? Yeah, you could do a podcast on actors who passed on roles, but I would be curious to see what Robert England's uh, residual checks were per year on this movie. On these, on this yeah, franchise. I'm curious too. It's it's got to be okay. It's got to yeah. be. Think about when Plus, it first happened; it exploded. Freddie masks, Freddie everything. He's getting all that money. Plus, you know, the the convention scene, you know, when you go to the Comic-Cons or the Horror-Cons or whatever like that, you know, they charge for the autographs. Even if he's not being like, like some people you see it's like $100 or some shit. Let's just say he's doing like 50 though, but you do a, what, you do a hundred of those in a day and it's like five grand, right? Yeah, I mean, that, plus. That's easy. Like, I mean, so let's, I mean, let's just say you do like what? 10, 10 cons and you're charging fifty dollars an autograph and you do a hundred autographs at each one. So we're looking at like fifty thousand dollars just for, for ten dates essentially. It doesn't yeah, the, I mean they're making killing. Doesn't the con have to pay you as well, or do you I don't know how that works. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm sure you they wanna they wanna get people there, so they probably pay these people something. At least room and board, maybe. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. They probably do pay because or because you know, like these people don't show up to all of them, right? Yeah, like, uh, exactly. Like you see in the bigger cities where they have like more prominent p- people at them, yeah. And like the ones in Mississippi, like we've had a get the Pink Ranger. Yeah, we've had from the original Power Rangers or something. We've had we've had like I guess more prominent people than that. Also, we um we did have well Rick Flair came at one time, but um. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Billy D. Williams had came. Yeah. And uh, the last year I was there. I think it was last year. So Yeah, yeah it's like the lower relevance or relevance. Or, no, yeah, relevance. Not, not Harrison uh, Ford and not Mark Hamill, but yeah, you got Billy D. Williams. Yeah. So you get Billy D. Yeah, I'm assuming there's like an appearance fee that these people are collecting. To yeah, that. I'm sure. But still, and just I mean, fu- it's funny because even talking about going off of that, uh, th- even the the hall pass chick, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like where's your hall pass? That shit goes to comic cons, and people are having her sign things for and take pictures for money. To this day, forty fucking years later, or hell, it's been longer than forty, ain't it? Or it's coming up on forty. Oh, for Nightmare on Elm Street, it's yeah, it's gonna be yes, thirty-eight. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming up on 40. Let's not make it older yeah. than it is because that makes us older than what we are. Well, it's 40th anniversary coming up. So, uh, well, But anyway, but even people like her, the Hall Pass monitor, or the Hall monitor, you know, she's at Comic-Con signing stuff, not probably breaking in the money that Robert England was. She's not going to have a room full of people lined up for her. But if she goes to one and people are coming through, I mean, it's she's still making money, you know? Yep. Money, money, money. So that's right. With um, with this first movie, what did y'all guys think about the plot of the movie? How did you feel about it? Just like the the story of the movie, because once again, like we said, they'll start going off the rails. But for like me, and Josh kind of alluded to it when he was talking about the pacing of the movie. I feel like this is a nice, tight little story. Yeah, and it's really effective. It, and I think it's a really good story, and I think everything just works out really well. But but you kind of it doesn't take long to get going. But like I said, Craven's hit or miss for me. Sometimes he gets a, a little off the rails. But in this movie, man, like he just nailed everything from to me for the pacing, the story. You know, what what do you guys think about it? Like, is there something you didn't care for, or something you would have liked to have seen? Well, for me, it's like you know. It's a dream. The whole story is a dream. The fucking title is a nightmare. You know? So you can't afford to go off the rails a little bit. It doesn't have to make sense. It can be um, a little off. You know? So it does give him more a little free will to kind of do what he wants to do with it. And it doesn't have to necessarily make sense. You know? But there's not a whole lot of that where something's just left you know, unknown then that goes to, you know, that's a plus for the story there too. Cause he doesn't leave any loose ends, but it is a fantastical movie because it's a dream. Yeah. So it, you can forgive some things, which is to go farther along. I mean, that, that goes true for the rest of them too, but at some point they just start, you know, just doing ridiculous well, they, shit yeah, and they, they lose it. They lose sight of what the original thought and concept for Freddy was, you know, they, uh, he got completely good. He became a clown. They jumped the shark, so to speak. Exactly. I was going to say it, but I wasn't sure I was going to get the quote right or the saying right. For me, in terms of just basic story, just the bare bones story. Um, it's hard to get better than this movie. Now, in terms of screenplay, I'm with you, Bone. Um, 
I think <clears throat> Craven would have been helped out with just another voice in the room. And I'll like I think this movie is damn damn near perfect. We'll get to it where I think it 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 just uh spoiler alert uh for anybody who gives a fuck um for what takes it from a five to a four and a half star rating for me we'll get to it but in terms of just creating a um a pop culture icon this is goddamn perfect i mean it's 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 movie History. What we were watching was kind of movie history, the beginnings, the birth of a a character who lives on kind of forever, and that's not easy to do. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Let me give like a quick rundown of the plot, and then we can dive into the movie. All right, so Nightmare on the Street is a story about some teenagers whose parents burned a dude alive. The dude was a child murderer, but still they burned him alive. And so now he's come back from the grave in people's dreams to take revenge on the parents by killing their children. Um, hilarity ensues. People die. There's lots of blood. There's lots of blood. The parents finally come clean about what they did after... You know, trying not to acknowledge it. And then Freddie has a showdown with the final girl. Final girl wins. So that's a real quick, real basic plot. But final girl wins, question mark. Well, she didn't die, so she won. No, I'm just saying because of the next thing. It was supposed to be a joke. Continue. I know. I know. You just want to contradict me, you piece of shit. No, I'm just going to add a little joke to the end. Oh, no. Okay. You're fine. Um, so, yeah, we start the movie off and... Like you said, we start off with that dream sequence with uh, Tina where she's uh, dreaming about Freddy. Can we go it. back a minute, though? Yes. To where, like, this movie opens up with, like, a square box. Oh, yeah. That, that's right. That is weird because everything else is in it, widescreen. Yeah, yeah. And it's... It's like it's got you focusing more. It's like draws more focus from you because it brings it down or something. I, I I dug it. Which yeah, yeah, I dug the fuck out of it. It it kind of gave the vibe of Craven's earlier work, like The Hills Have Eyes. Just I don't know, just the the feeling, the the vibe it gave off. But it's also. It also led you to question if you've seen the movie 373 times like we have. That's real world Freddy, right? Yeah. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Because he was torturing these kids or killing these kids with his glove, I assume. And his hands were just dirty because, like, theoretically, once he was buried alive, although there's a scene where he cuts his chest open and his chest is fine. Yeah. Theoretically, his entire body should be scarred if he was burned alive and died that way. Right? Yeah, that's right. And his hands, like Bone said, were just dirty, not scarred and fucked up like they are now. So it was real Freddy. 
Yeah, but the movie, you know, when you watch it multiple times, the movie doesn't give you any indication. Now, Tina was dreaming, though, so she could have just been dreaming about him putting the glove together. I didn't. When I see that, I don't. I don't. I well, don't, I don't either, that. but it immediately goes into like her having yeah. a dream. It, yeah. it, that is that's a very. That's the only reason I say that. Yeah, and that's a very good point because that's something that I noticed. Because you know, have you ever had dreams where it'll look, you're in a loop? Where it's like no, you're I'm doing something, no. and then and then it's uh, you're that's realized not that's not a dream, Daniel. That's the Matrix. Yeah, but anyway, uh, life, anyway, brother. I've had that happen before. Where I've had a dream where I was in a loop. Um, now you catch it at the third time, you're like, okay, hold on, something's completely wrong, and you kind of shake yourself out of that or whatever. Anyway, it's funny because four, exactly. But um, nightmare. Uh, whenever this thing starts off, you're right, and I, the reason I wanted to go back is because the building of the glove is just fucking awesome. Because mm-hmm. it's the first thing we see, and he's building his fucking murder weapon and, and about to go to town doing his thing. Um, and then. You get the title card and then you go back to full, you're at full screen and like, as far as I know, after the, hold on, Bone was about to, all right, Bone, was it, yeah, no, I love it. Was it title card and then he slashes through the sheet or was it he builds his gloves, slashes through the sheet title card? No, no, it's, it's, he builds his glove. He shows his glove yeah. on the screen. Yes. Oh, yeah. Comes up and then and he slashes. Slashes through the shit, right? And then yeah. it shows Tina and she's in the dream. Well, that slash happens later on in her dream as well, like she's in a loop. And that's the first time I kind of put that together. So, uh, yeah, I think that it's um, that him building it. It's just him building it. And then it's separate from the dream itself. And I think the reason we see that sheet slash twice is because it's a, a loop situation. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, so which he actually which Wes Craven actually did a couple cool things in this in this Tina dream scene because one of the things it looks goofy if you're just like, why is she running like that? But if you put yourself in the mind of this is your dream and these things are happening to you, I know that I've had the dream where you're fucking running your ass off, but you're barely moving and whatever you're trying to run from or whatever you're trying to run to, you're just going super slow. And I feel like that's what that was. That's what I felt with that scene is she's running fast and hard, but she's barely moving. So it's for an actor to portray that I feel like would be hard anyway, but, uh, but I thought that that was the, the first dream it's not the cool. first dream she has, right? It's the second dream where he cuts his fingers off, isn't it? Uh, he throws a lot of shit at her immediately. I know he does the long arms because um, this this dream with him at the beginning establishes Freddy as being scary. So I know he's uh, I know he does like the scraping on the wall with long arms because they talk about it as a group later because you know later on Rod has the the little garden tool. I can't remember what the fuck that thing is called, but he has a garden tool where he's making that noise up against the window. Yeah. So I know he does that first or he does that in that first dream. But yeah, then you, she has that dream and she gets out of it and she has like the slashes and they're all talking, her and Nancy are talking about dreams and you get introduced to the core group, the, the main characters in this movie. Um, 
Tina, Nancy, Rod, and oh, I don't Glenn. Yeah, Glenn. I was just gonna say I don't know when it started because I've never heard this before. But all of a sudden, the trains by Daniel's house are just running nonstop. Yeah. But yeah, Glenn. So you get these uh, four people introduced, and there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of death in this movie. It doesn't have a high body count, which it didn't. Yeah, know because everything it does is so so good and so effective. But you get introduced to the characters, and you get, so you got these four four friends or three friends and one person that's I guess just having sex with Tina because you get the feeling that he and Glenn aren't friends. Yeah, but they kinda are, which is weird. Yeah, it's I, because I, Glenn, because Rod's the one who gave him the tape. With yeah, the massacre on it. Yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, I was thinking about it. Yeah, it is the second dream. You are right on that. It's the second dream where he starts doing all the shit to himself and being crazy as hell. Yeah. Um. But you had mentioned whenever uh, Rod has the um, the little gardening tool on the window. Um, what I really liked about that scene is whenever they're going out there after the noise, uh, you know, Glenn's the guy, he's the only one with him. So obviously he's got to go check it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he's walking and the first, the first time he realizes what he's hearing, it stops him dead in his tracks. I really like that touch. Now he does continue. He kind of like, you know, continues on. It's like, I'm going to punch your face in or whatever. But that first sound, whenever he knows that that's sharp metal scratching on something, it stops him immediately. And I love that. Just that little touch because he's obviously been dreaming about Freddie as well. And that is scary, even though he's denying it. Like, I just like that touch. It was, it was pretty cool. I have to, I have to stop us here for a minute because I counted. And this is obviously, it's personal, but I count it. And look, this is the impact of this movie that that honestly separates itself from other works in the horror genre. I counted the iconic scenes, and I tried to be as unbiased as possible. And I just wanna, I just want y'all to take a guess at what the number is of iconic scenes because this movie is chock fucking full of iconic scenes that just resonate when you think of the movie like it's i mean we 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 were you know and this is the movie to like praise Wes craven this this is it obviously off the top of my head, I'm at seven, but I'm going to throw a couple extra in there because there is a lot of shit. Just in case I'm forgetting, I don't want to sit here for five minutes trying to think. But I'm going to okay, go with seven? nine. Seven? No, nine. nine. I'm going to go with nine. nine. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with... Because I think I feel like I'm missing a few. I'm going to go with 13. And th- what I counted was nine, Daniel. Nine? Oh. Yeah. So maybe mine are, so maybe, uh, Excuse me. Maybe some of mine are... Could be... Put together. No. Well, the whole thing's subjective anyway, right? I mean, because no. it's just our own opinions. But yeah, it, it's very subjective. But it's like what I saw. What you could, 
gleaned from this movie was nine. That's what, what, are, what are they? Insane. Okay, yeah, I can go through them, and then I'll I'll add the ones that I have that you may not have. Okay, number one is the wall scene. Okay. Yes. I counted that one yet when he was pushing through. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Number beautiful. Two. To this yeah. day. Number two is the alleyway scene. When he cuts his with the long arms. With the arms. With the long arms. Okay. Yeah. Number three is Tina's death. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, number four is the body bag scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number five is the bathroom tub scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, number six is whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Classic. Number seven is I'm your boyfriend now. Yep. Number eight is Glenn's death. Mm-hmm. And number nine is the jump rope girls. Like, okay. So let unequivocally, me, let me add the ones I thought of. Okay. Uh, Nancy's mom getting pulled through the window at the end when they're in the car. Um, the stairway scene. Where- yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I think Nancy's oh, yeah. mom being pulled through the door, it looks too bad to be iconic. But very I memorable. I don't, and that might be where I the mix is. I don't think iconic is defined is. by like, how great it is as much as like, how much it stands How I remember it is? Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Go ahead. Um, I would say him cutting his fingers off. Yeah. Um, you said Tina's death. You said uh, the other guys, or um, Glenn's death. Um, the car. Oh, that was. With I the Freddie Stripes. I counted that with the mom. Uh, all this, that whole. All this okay, that whole scene. Okay. Yeah. Um, that might be it because I think I'd gotten to like eleven, and I'd kind of and I added two just in case I forgot some. I added two too. Yeah, but I think I was saying unequivocally. So me and Daniel were right. Mm. Yeah, I think that Bone was saying equivocally though, and that makes him right and us wrong. So Daniel we're to stalemate. Seventeen things, and I just don't feel like this is one of the seventeen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm close to 18, but I'm just not there. Now you've now you've enlightened me, Bones. So now I'm at 18. Thank you. I right, can we before we jump ahead? Can we go back to how horny Tina's mom's boyfriend is? Oh yeah, he's like, I don't what give do a mean? fuck about your screaming daughter. I got a hard dick, lady. This ain't gonna take care of itself. Listen, lady, I'm gonna come into her room. <laughs> I'm gonna come into your daughter's room with a massive erection and be like, and. Please come back to bed, bitch. Uh, yeah. What's funny is Tina's mom, if you watch it, her lipstick is smeared. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like they literally just got interrupted fucking. Yeah. And look, we're, we're talking about 80s parenting. Tina's yeah. mom is the epitome of it. And she's like, uh, you know, she's telling Tina. Hey, I don't want you dreaming those dreams. Yeah. Which is also known as control your dreams, you little shit. Exactly. <laughs> it's so, for you. 
Yeah, it's funny because I wrote down the quote. She says, cut those fingernails or stop that type of dreaming. It's one or the other. <laughs> that was what her advice to her. Closes the door. So Nina just turns to Christ. No, she doesn't, she doesn't turn to Christ. That's her problem. Yeah. That's well, she, she has the, the... She holds on to the crucifix like she's turning to him. Does she? Yeah, she like hugs her little crucifix. Okay. Yeah. Jesus failed again. Yeah. <laughs> he can't he can't be everywhere all the time. <sighs> Damn. Yeah, so once we get past the dream and uh Tina's boyfriend's horny Tina's mom's horny boyfriend. Wow, I just butchered that. No, Tina's mom's boyfriend. We, Tina's mom's horny too. We have the we haven't had a real talk about the dreams and everything, and you know how Nancy and the, and her had the same dream, dreamed about the same person. Yeah, and the guys are trying to like you know be like, oh, you know, I'm too cool, too uh, too manly for this. You know, and we get Rob yeah. giving out his up your nose with a twirling lawnmower or whatever it was, or up yours. Exactly. I can't remember what it was exactly now. It is. That was up it. Your, up, it up was yours. up yours with a twirling, with a twirling lawnmower. lawnmower, which we know like. Welcome back, Cotter. John Travolta. You're trying to take some influence there. But we, we get to the house and they're having the, the little slumber party, which is, you know, it's odd. Like, I'm assuming that none of the parents know about this. They're having a slumber party with two women and one guy. And now I see why Giant Depp was mad that Rod showed up because he thought he was about to be the fucking meat in a Nancy Tina sandwich. Yeah, I got pissed when he saw fucking Glenn there. Yeah. Well, can we talk about how Glenn's mom's kind of an idiot? I got fucked up. Sorry. Sure, we can stop what we were talking about. Glenn's mom's kind of an idiot. No, he plays her a tape. Oh Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, boombox. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not stopping because that's all part of what we were about to talk about. Yeah, so he didn't really go back or anything. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I forgot. It's same thing. I'm glad you said that because I forgot about that. And he keeps changing yeah. his fucking story. He's like, oh, there's some kids drag racing. <laughs> now there's yeah. a massive explosion. I'll call you tomorrow. I love you. Good night. Yeah, it's funny because what I wrote down in my notes was um, Glenn fools his dumbass mom with a tape of murders. It's not the faces of death. It's the, the sounds of death. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, all the parents have got to be pretty idiotic, right? Yeah. It's they do not believe their John children. Jackson. Yeah, but his dumbass still puts a fucking officer or his deputy or whatever to watch his daughter. I know this is way ahead. He literally tells him, if you see anything strange, let me know. His kid is busting out the windows of her house screaming help. I'm pretty sure that constitutes. Oh, yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, you did. Well, well, my bad, but I'm just saying. Yeah, no, it's like maybe I should go get the lieutenant. But uh, it's just funny because, yeah, out of all the parents, they are all, you know, don't believe their children. He was yeah, the best, so, but he still made his own yeah, mistakes. Well, you didn't answer this, though. Well, Josh didn't answer it, though. But, right? That's why Glenn's mad. He thought he's about to have a menage a trois. Yeah. Maybe. He, or the hope not, is there. He's not happy when Rod shows up. 
Well, the Rod did show up in a fucked up way, scaring the shit out of him and then tackling him yeah, and fucking being a dick. Apparently he wasn't. Was he supposed to come? I can't remember. Was it supposed to be just for the, those three? I mean, I don't know if that was ever like, you know, said. It wasn't. It they, was they all hang out together. Yeah, was, so if her parents are out of town, I'm sure everybody knows. Rod's the but, idiot that comes in talking about, what is this, an orgy? Yeah, but after watching like this movie, I could tell like Glenn was just hoping to score with Nancy. Yeah. No, and yeah, he, he got I shut know, he's the like, fuck down. Morality sucks. Yeah, morality sucks. And Nancy's like, we gotta be here for Tina now. Like, now? Why do we gotta be yeah. here for Tina? She's about to go fuck. Why can't we do the same thing? And his, that's where his mind dude, is. He starts trying dude. to kiss on her and shit. Hey, so check this out, though. Like, when they start fucking, they are loud, man. Cause, oh, like, yeah. Glenn's He's... just sitting there on the fucking couch trying to sleep. And all I can hear is, uh, 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 But let's be honest. Freddy ain't the only one that was doing some murder in that night. <laughs> Rod was 26 years old in high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's been around. He's had a little experience. Yeah. Wait a He's he got two high- kids hey, on wedlock. Was he in high school or was he just hanging around in the school? No. Teenagers. That's true because uh, even at the beginning when he's like up yours with the twirling lawnmower, he walks away from the school. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm banned from there. Yeah. I'm sure he's there around their age, maybe a year or two older, but just probably dropped out. That's probably what his story is, you know? He, he's like fucking Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. He gets older and they stay the oh. same age. Exactly. In fact, look, it's funny though because, like, uh, Tina, Nancy, and Glenn are all only childs, right? Only kids. Yeah. And that's been that was established in the movie. Rod, mistake. Yeah, just like, <laughs> he, <laughs> it was just like a flat a, out mistake. He's like a street urchin, man. Yeah, they tr- they try to show his dad later on in the movie. And he's oh like, yeah, yeah. They show him at the uh, funeral. Him, his mom, and his dad. Yeah, they, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and like, seven other people. Yeah, that motherfucker. <laughs> that's because Rod. Was he's a got dick. nine other kids to worry about. He was another. He was a dick. He didn't have any friends. I know that's right. Yeah. So when when Glenn Johnny Depp's character comes out. He says, I'm going to punch out your ugly lights, whoever you are. Yeah. Um, Bone. Yes. Can you make a more menacing sentence than I'm going to punch out your ugly lights? It's so uh, funny, like, the, the, the quote. It's so bad. Just say anything. Just yeah, you can. It's just so funny because like you know how it is whenever you or was whenever you were younger and got really scared and you were saying something. Sometimes it would just be gibberish. It would make no fucking sense. And then when somebody busts you out, you know, you get real, even more mad about it. You know. But Glenn's but supposed to be it's a just jock, funny, right? I know. That's the confusing thing about his character. Yeah, because he is all jocked up. I get, what is he a kicker? <laughs> no, nah, he's playing soccer. Yeah, on the bench. On the bench. Bone, can you come up with something? Oh, I didn't know. Actually, no, I'm not going to sit here and try to come up. Okay, with I'm, I'm going to come up with something for you, I right? I didn't know that that was actually something I was supposed to do. 
Yeah, I'll do it for you. This is bone. Hey, I'm going to tickle you till you bleed cum out of your dick, whoever you are. I think that that's pretty menacing, but I don't think it's as as menacing. I think that works. I think it works. Hmm. Bone, just say it. I'm not saying that. Why not? Why would I say you're lying? I didn't say that. You just said it. No, you say it. No, no, that's. I'm going to tickle you till you bleed cum out of your dick. That's menacing. Okay, well, say it in a more menacing voice. I mean, that is my menacing voice. Hmm. His everyday voice is his menacing voice. Yeah, nobody want to fuck with that. Not if they're smart. It would be funny if he did say that. (laughs) I'm going to punch you in your dick breath fucking mouth, whoever you are. Dick breath mouth. All right. So, yeah. There's, there's Tina's a, about to get fucked yeah, again exactly. in the same night. <laughs> right? We get to our first like death, finally. And this is where you were talking about the iconic scenes, Josh, where we have Tina's in her dream, Nancy's in her dream, Glenn's in his wet dream, whatever, and he pushes down on the wall above Nancy. Man, that's fucking amazing. To this day, it looks beautiful. Like we just talked about it a minute ago. Almost forty years, and it's still amazing. And then, if you look at like the, and I know we'll talk the about the remake. Later, when you look at yeah, it's wasn't say so you look at the remake. Yeah, and it just looks fucking horrible. <laughs> it looks terrible. And it's like how that's, could you not get this right? It's god fucking awful. The remake. It is. It yeah, and like. You know, it makes me wonder about special effects like at the time when you're looking at them. Because, you know, obviously we got hindsight on this. We can look back at it and say, oh, it looks it looks like ass. Yeah. But at the time, it had to have looked good to somebody because somebody okayed that shit. And I, I liken it kind of like Star Wars The Phantom Menace and the prequels. If you go back and watch them, those movies, the CGI in those movies is awful. But when they came out, people were like, oh, that's good. Yeah. So I wonder if it, maybe that was the case. Maybe when this, that movie first came out, it looked okay. But now that it's no. got some years behind it. No, it didn't? Uh-uh. Okay. No, because I remember watching it when it first came out and looking at this scene like, oh, man, they fucking butchered it. I mean, at the time, the CGI looked okay, whatever. But it well, still ruined the scene. Yeah, It still just, ruined it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I'm just wondering if maybe like back then somebody thought it looked okay. Yeah. But I mean, this movie... Though, since you talked about the iconic scenes and stuff, and we're talking about special effects, I mean, like, this movie here has got so many great effects, and they're all practical. Uh, yeah. It's like the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, uh, he has his dream, or she has her dream, and this is where, you know, Freddy's getting ready to kill Tina. You know, he cuts his fingers off. He's like, hey, watch this. He cuts his fingers off, and it's like blood spurting out or is it blood because i always thought it looked it's it's like it's just green it's some kind of green goo so yeah that's what i thought oh probably people people probably thought it was acid but they didn't (laughs) see any type of burning you know so it was just goo he's like the alien yeah yeah the same shit was whenever he slashed his chest and exposed the maggots it was green goop coming out yeah well let me push up my glasses 
bone on you on that. That wasn't introduced until Aliens. Oh, the acid blood? Yeah, which was 1986. You sure? Yep. I am. I thought they had to chase it down the levels of the ship. Uh, the acid blood was a, a Cameron invention. Hmm. When he introduced guns. I'm curious about that. It's good podcasting. Yeah, well, I mean, you can keep talking. No, there's. it's got right here on... Uh, on a, I, I Googled it, and it says acid for blood. And it has a scene... Uh, maybe, maybe you're right. Never mind. I see a different one. Forget it. Forget no, it. No, keep this in. Keep this in. I just said forget. It. I said forget it. I was wrong. I didn't say I was cutting it. Okay, good. I, I guess yeah. I'll have to research it further. So what, what about <laughs> talk about? Well, talk about uh, <laughs> and at the end of the episode. Yes, that's right. <laughs> just splice in shit over your voice, <laughs> right? Because and I'm gonna have to do my Josh voice to you know when I make him apologize. But you're right, Bone. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sounded just like him. I know. Um, we'll talk about Tina's death then. Well, yeah, we were talking. What all did he do? I was because we got interrupted. But whenever he was uh, fucking like fucking himself up to fuck with her, he cuts his fingers off. Uh, he does other shit to himself. What all did he do? Because he put he he does other shit to for uh, Nancy to fuck with her, yeah. or does he cut himself open for uh, th- Tina he, too? He cuts himself open for Nancy. He cuts Nancy. His okay, off that is Nancy's. Tina. Yeah, yeah. It's long arms, goofy running, and oh, in the face, he rips his fucking oh, face yeah, off, don't he? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what that face reminds me of? What? They live. Yeah. No. When he has when you have the glasses on, just the way the eyes look. He rips his face off twice in this movie. Well, he rips his face off for Tina, but he rips Tina's face off of yeah, himself for Nancy. He's wearing it when he's chasing He's, wearing, he's yeah. leather facing Tina's face, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, he pulled the face off. But he guy. fucked with her real bad when it comes with the, the goofy psychological insanity. He really, really gave it to Tina on that. Yeah. You know? Probably it, because she was weaker than Nancy, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Excellent point. And the beautiful part of this movie is that you don't see the guy's dreams. Yeah. You know Rod is dreaming about Freddie. Yeah. I don't know why his parents would care about a homicidal child molester. They have yeah. 13 kids, whatever. But apparently exactly. they, they killed Freddie just because <laughs> they were... And to kill him. Yeah. And you don't see Glenn's death, which I think, you know, again, the beauty of this screenplay. Uh, but you only see Tina's and Nancy's. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And it works so well because it is this uh, beauty and the beast. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. I was just, I was just thinking about it in my head, and I, I, I yeah, yeah. Now go on. 
I mean, that's a good no, point. No, that's, that's I, all I was saying. I was going to say it was a good point. That's why I was sitting there thinking about it. I'm just like, wait a minute. Wasn't, but then I was sitting there thinking, like, well, don't you see their dreams and they die? But you're right. And what you're seeing is like what's happening in the real world when they die. Yeah. Because you see, when he goes to kill Tina, you come out of her dream and you see what Rod's seeing, where she's getting mm-hmm. flown around a wall. And then, like, she gets her shirt ripped open and her chest sliced. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a, I never thought about that. That's really interesting, Josh. And I'll, I will say this. And, um, this isn't like I'm going to die on this mountain type of statement. He's about to die on this hill. Yeah. But I think Tina's death, I, 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 I say it confidently. I think Tina's death might uh, be my favorite kill in horror movie history. Hmm. Uh, okay, that is a big one. I thought you were going to say in this movie, I was like, why are you dragging this out? It's obviously the best death in this movie. Oh, man. No, so- I... From here on out, Josh, every time. No, in terms of everything, you know? Every like, time we watch or cover a movie and somebody dies, I'm like, is this better than Tina's death? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Is this Probably Tina's not. Death? Tina's death is so iconic, man. It is. I mean, it's so iconic, they tried to repeat it in the same goddamn movie. Yeah. Released 10 years later. That's how conic it was. And failed. And Jesus, we'll get there in five years, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah. No, that's how much I love Tina's death, though. That is how much I love this death. Yeah, it is a fucking great death. And I know that we all know this, but people that are listening might not, you know, whatever. But the the room was a rotating room. Mm. And like, it's just crazy to think about for her because we talked about in the beginning that this made a lot for a a lot of people. This was their shot. And for her, she comes in and she has to act getting killed in a rotating room. She did a great job. Well, you know, what's really cool about that scene too. And I did think about this today when I was watching it. So it's it's a rotating room, but at one point you see a kind of an over the shoulder view from Rod while the room has to be flipped, obviously. Yeah. So the way they were able to do that, and not have it look like they did some weird superimpose or whatever. Like, you know, when you see, like, like when they do movies with twins in them, and it's the same actor playing yeah. those roles, and they'll do, like... You can see the same. Yeah. So I thought that looked really, really good. That was really cool. Yeah, because obviously they strapped him on the fucking roof. You know what I mean? And had him strapped in, so he's hanging. But that's what's so beautiful about the idea of where is he going to go? He's going to get scared and jump off the fucking bed, crawl into a corner, and be screaming for so they can get that shot. Like It's all done very well. Well, it's But just, poor Rod. I know he's an asshole, but that's a terrible thing to witness. Yeah. Not only that, like it's practical effects. This movie is entirely practical. You see Tina crawling up the wall and then crawling on the ceiling. It's, I don't know, like watching this movie today, it hit different. I don't know if I was in like a certain mind space or, or what, but it, it hit so much differently today than it had in many years. And, like, you know, 
everything that was good was so elevated of the tight script, the special effects. Um, John Saxon, who is amazing as, you know, Donald, you know, what's the last name? Thompson. What is his Thompson. last name? Yeah, Thompson. Thompson. I mean, yep. I, I was going to make the uh, Langenkamp joke, but then I forgot what her goddamn last name was in the movie. I fucked myself up. Why? So speaking of um, speaking of Mr. Thompson, yeah. After Tina dies, we do get introduced to Nancy's father, played by John Saxon, who I don't know. Did y'all ever watch Enter the Dragon? Yeah, yeah. I always thought that was kind of cool that he was in there, and you know, they did not not the movie we're talking about, but he did have a fight with one of the prominent characters in the movie, and it wasn't just Bruce Lee rolling through everybody. So it's kind of cool. But yeah, we get introduced uh, to Nancy's uh, Nancy's father the next day when they go to arrest Rod for the murder of Tina. Yeah, and we get a. Uh, I mean, now that you brought it up, Josh, you just like another iconic scene, right? Nancy falls asleep during school. Well, her mom doesn't want her to go to school at all, you know. She's like, "Wait a minute, what are you doing?" And she's like, "I'm going to school." And she's like, "Well, you know, there was just like a major trauma." I mean, she's like, "Nah, fuck it, I'm going." And they essentially follow Nancy so they can arrest Rod because they knew at some point that, that he would meet up with her. And then she falls asleep in class, right? And you see the, the body dragging on the floor, leaving the blood trail. Yeah. And then she runs into the hall monitor. Like, and this is such a small, minuscule thing, but apparently that bump into the hall monitor gave her like a little slight bloody nose. Yeah, what the fuck? And then after that, like her whole head's bleeding, and I get like the whole head bleeding after the fact, you know, because it, you know, like, oh hey, but she's like, ah, oh, Cameron, what did she say? What did the hall monitor say? Because you know, Nancy's like, screw your hall pass. That, yeah, she's like, where's your hall pass? Yeah, and then, uh, then she's like, yeah, whatever, and runs off, and then Freddie, and the voice of Freddie is whatever the fuck. What is what is it? Freddie say that? No running in the halls? Yeah, that was it. No running in the halls. Yeah. Um, But it's funny because we were talking about Rod and just, you know, real quick. They're trapped in this room. Not trapped, but locked into this room. She's being murdered. And you're all that's happening is a bunch of screaming. And you wait until you hear your friends beating on the door to start talking about, well, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. And then jump out the fucking window. You know what I mean? Like he's making so many bad decisions, you know, like obviously it wasn't going to look good for him. Yeah. Obviously this isn't going to look good for him. So I get the uh, wanting to flee because possibly this isn't going to be good, but to be screaming, I'm going to kill you, whoever you are. And then leaving for them to open up to that massacre is a bad fucking choice. Much like the bad choice he makes the very next morning whenever he decides to, uh, like, snatch Nancy right fucking right by her house. Snatches her into some bushes. 
and starts fucking like, you got to believe me. You got to believe me. I didn't do it. And describes Freddie. Now Nancy puts together that Freddie is real and he's hurting us in our dreams. This is happening. And and then she says something. How is that possible? And he fucking pulls that switchblade on her. And he's like, <laughs> what do you think I'm a fucking fruitcake? Like, yeah, dude, you're starting to convince me that you're a fucking psychopath. And now I'm back on board thinking that it's you, not an, an imaginary man that we're all dreaming about. Yeah, that, that he does. He, you're right. He did make a series of bad decisions. Like, And I get this stuff in the house Like, because any of us could have made that mistake. Or Yeah, you know, panic scene. sets in. Yeah, but him trying to talk to Nancy and convince her that he isn't a killer, but then pulls a switchblade on her. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm the only person that's in your corner. Yeah, and then the police are going to find you with this fucking switchblade, and they're going to be like, yeah, obviously he killed Tina. Look at him. He's got the fucking knife right there. He's He's trying to kill the other witness. Yeah, he's going after the other witness, exactly. Yeah, so now his ass is done, got brought in, and he's like, please believe me. I didn't do it, Nina. Or not Nina, uh, Nancy. So, yeah, and he gets put in jail. We we talk about like Nancy being at the... uh, Nice one, all that shit happening. But after school, she goes to visit Rod at the police station. How much fucking pull does Nancy have at the police station? I know, right? To just be able to walk in there. And just tell people, like, what she wants to do. Yeah. Fuck you, Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. Get that goddamn key, Garcia. (laughs) Say, if you don't listen to me, I'll have you back on traffic duty, asshole. Yeah, you'll be walking the beat. Yeah, exactly. Fuck, yeah, yeah, go ahead. What is it? I'm sorry. No, I, I was just I just know. wanted to say this before the podcast was done. Just to give a shout out to Ronnie Blakely, who played uh Marge. She's kind and I just noticed this today. She's low key kind of a fucking MILF. Yeah. She really is. She's Yeah, she was pretty. Yeah. Oscar nominated. All right, so where are we at, Daniel? Uh, I was just talking about Rod's uh, bad decision-making, you know? Uh, that's pretty much it. And then uh, now we're at um, going well, going back to the class, you know, whenever she's having the dream in class or whatever. Um, it's an important part. We find out that you can pull yourself out of a dream through pain, you know? But, but how it's like sense? he was... I have no idea because once he pokes you, you feel that and you would wake up with just a little stab. So it is some, it is interesting, but, um, it's a dream though. You can't look too deep into it. This is just the dream that we've been presented. You're not the boss of me. That's true. You are right about that. I quit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me ask you a question and I'll be able to clarify this real quick. This waking yourself up in a dream with pain inflicted by your, your own self. Is that one of the 17 things? Yes. Okay, well then, yeah, it's back, Josh. We can't argue Because that. the movie told me so. It's one of the 17 things that Daniel knows in life. So, maybe it's because it was self-inflicted pain, though. I mean, I maybe that's why it works. Maybe so. And it's funny, because we had talked about him, like, uh, cutting himself, like, open and getting green slime and magus and shit. And that's when this happens, right? That's whenever he fucks with her like that, is during this dream. I got that confused with uh, Tina's. But yeah, he fucks with her and then he's like scratching shit, you know, doing the whole, you know, mental game on her. 
And then she gets kind of cornered and wakes herself up by burning her arm. Which the burn is on the opposite fucking side of her arm. She does it on the outside of her shit. When she fucking looks at the shit, it's on the inside of her forearm. So that's a little bit of a, you know. (laughs) I don't remember her getting that fucked up in an angle, though. That's what I'm saying. It'd be an awkward angle to... I I get it. Those things... Because I think she did this to it, right? I don't think she did this. I, I thought she did that. Man, yeah, she like kind of backhands it. Well, yeah, Josh is showing her putting her arm coming down on it. So yeah, I thought she did that. Yeah. Oh, it coming down on a pipe. Yeah, I thought she went on sideways on one. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, that might be wrong. I always thought that she just kind of hit it on the side, and it would have been on the outside of her arm. Because they it. they mean to show it a few times in the movie afterwards. Yeah. Because yeah. even uh, Glenn. Johnny Depp's character points it out later. Yeah. And it's so funny because after this, she wakes up freaking out once she wakes up. Just just fucking going ballistic. You know, understandably. And then they're like, hey, go home. Uh, go home. Whatever. She's With like, I'm going to go home. Yeah, yeah I know, right? I know that little you need a hall pass and a street pass. Don't forget to ask for that at the office. But, but yeah, she so she goes home, but she goes right back to the jail cell. It demands to see him again, and throws her weight around, and they're just like, "Yeah, okay, Nancy, you're yeah, exactly, you're fucking in charge." But and now Rod feels like it's important to relinquish that. Oh yeah, the stuff that y'all were saying about the guy in your dreams, I'm having that too. That's totally who killed her. <laughs> they should use that as a scapegoat. And then yeah, and then we get Nancy in the tub, right? That's because she visits. Right. Yeah. And she goes home and her mom's like, oh, you don't fall asleep in a tub. And Nancy is like so mean to her mom right here. So, so she right is now, at this point, Nancy's mom hasn't done anything that you're like, oh man, you're a horrible parent or anything like that. She's tried to be supportive She's, and, and, and worry. Like, hey, yeah. And stay home from school. Don't go to school. You just had a trauma and all that, all the things that you would hope your parents would do for you. And then, but man, it was a bridge too far when her mom said, be careful in the tub. She's like, God, mom, I know. Yeah. And then falls right back to sleep again. Yeah. No, her mom offers her, her mom <laughs> actually says, I heated you up a glass of warm milk. Which yeah, is, then she's like, gross. But gross. Still, she's still trying to do stuff for her daughter. And like, just when she just knocks on the door and she's like, Nancy, and she's like, what, mom? All right, we'll Whoa. see. I think I got it. I think I have it regarding the milk. Okay. So people like warm milk. Right, but I don't think that you can reheat warm milk multiple times. And I think that Nancy's drunk ass mom has been trying to give her the same glass for the past two weeks. So she's like, "Warm milk, gross." Who likes warm milk? <laughs> I don't know. Some people say that uh, if you drink warm milk, it'll help you sleep. Maybe it's an old wives' tale or something. Hey, what was the name? Because after she, well. I, I, will, I guess I'll ask it then. Yeah, she's like Daniel said, she falls right back to fucking sleeping. Yeah. Room. And then we get the closest thing to a boob you're going to see in this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Whenever it's like that, she's all swimming in the big body of water that yeah. she has fallen through the tub. That looks like fucking, it looks like somebody's ice fishing. Because you know how they'll punch yeah. a little hole in ice? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was a crazy ass scene. But it, like yes. that was another iconic one, like you had brought up. You know that glove coming out of the fucking and the timing on like her opening her eyes or moving 
whenever she's awake, that shit is perfect. Like that fucking glove comes right back into the water and she's up, right? Same thing with the uh, wall scene. You know, he's pushed out real far and as soon as he's all the way off of it and it's flat is whenever she starts to move around. Like the timing on those were very well done. Well, the wall is a little bit different than the water scene because the water scene, uh, the bathtub scene is iconic, but the way it's set up, it looks like Freddy's getting embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> his glove is near her coot. He's like, oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, like, well, I'm just trying to kill you. I don't want you to think. I'm just going to pull back. I don't want you to wake up and think that I'm trying to do something nasty. I don't want Marge to know I'm near your coot. Yeah. So. It, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Because I got a question. And, I, well, I figure you'll know this, Josh. Or you may know it. What was the drug that in the later movies they took to stay? Uh, Hypnoseal. Hypnoseal. Yeah, Hypnoseal to not oh, dream. That, but that, that was to not dream. Okay, she's just yeah. she's taking fucking caffeine pills to stay. Away. Yeah, she's taking like no dose. Yeah, that's when they introduced okay. the caffeine pills. I couldn't remember. I, I knew there was a name for a drug, and then for some reason I thought they took it to stay awake. But that's not right. They took it to not dream. Yeah, you know, she actually took away took stay awake pills. That's the name of the motherfuckers. Yeah. You got those at a gas station. That sells yeah. tickets and blunts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blueberry flavored blunts. Yeah. Uh, you know, this Hollywood is, as we all know, it's full of fucking cowards who can't make anything original. But. I don't disagree with that now. I mean, you're right. I mean, you couldn't disagree with it five years we, from. Yeah, no, no. I was just I was thinking about that the other day. I mean, since you bring that up, just how like a lot of stuff is just rehash shit. No, it's rehashed and it's uh, just corporate bullshit. And if you were gonna remake Nightmare, how could you not introduce uh, uh, a meth aspect to it? Yeah, and be like, okay, these kids are going to go and get score some meth from the drug dealer at school or yeah. whatever and yeah. use that to stay up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this it, movie... Instead will... of being killed by Freddy, their lives spiral out of control. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, Which I think yes. that in the new one, one of the kids said something about do, uh, taking um, fit, taking all of his Adderall. I think. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't... Yeah. They barely scratched the surface. Like... How do you not address teen suicide and meth addiction with a new Freddy movie, you know, and and make it to where they're running from something that's... Michael Bay's company produce it? Well, I can't even blame Michael Bay. I mean, that's just just the system. He's at fault somehow. Yeah, but that's that's just the Hollywood system. Didn't Freddy blow up at the end of that movie? No, I know he didn't. I'm just... Making a Michael Bay joke, I'm sorry. Explosions. Apparently his new movie, Ambulance, is pretty good. I, th- I guess I've seen uh, a trailer for that. Is that Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, I've seen a trailer for that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that it was alright also. 
I just yeah. I haven't seen it. It's... Have y'all seen the new Top Gun? Nope. I, I saw like the first forty five minutes of it, but it was at work, and then we we got a call, and I couldn't finish it, and I never went back to it. Was it good? Uh, oh, I, I, had, I haven't seen Top Gun in so long. There was no comparison for me, and it was just it was it was a newer version of Top Gun. From what I Top saw, Gun. but I only saw like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Top Gun's like one of the most overrated movies ever, but apparently this new one's supposed to be pretty fucking good. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Um, I thought when you were asking, I thought you had seen it and I thought you were about to tell us. No, I ain't seen it. Why don't you watch it, it and then you tell me? Dude, I don't know anybody who doesn't love it uh, or like it a lot. Yeah, but man, that's, that's so fucking hard now because it's like, you see so many movies that you'll watch and apparently like other people love and you're still like, Ugh. so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, which, which movies are you thinking of right now? What? It, what everybody loves? Yeah. Um. Well, like um, like the, like the superhero movies that you know, and, and I'm uh, not. Yeah, but you got like, you got like the, the new Black Panther. I haven't seen it, but I know. I haven't seen it either. To, I know a lot of people like it, but like even the original one, like it was universally acclaimed, and I just thought it was kind of a, it was a movie. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like great. It wasn't the greatest movie I've ever seen. It was um, middling. Um. You'll probably, I know you're going to disagree with me on this one, but um, I didn't think Hereditary was that great. Oh, you everybody, fuck right off. Everybody yeah. else seems to love it. <laughs> Bone right takes every that. opportunity. Well, no, he was, we were talking about like movies that are universally praised that you don't necessarily care for. Um, and that was, those are just like two of the ones that come to mind. But I mean, I also really liked Knives Out, and I'm sure there's people that didn't like Knives Out. So. And I'm excited Have you seen it. Bullet Train, Bone? Well, not yet. I was. Um, did you see it, Josh? I did. I almost. Bullet Train's to, good. I almost went to the movies to watch it, but um, it's on Netflix now. If you have Netflix still. Okay, I, I had reopened it. I I've only made it to the theater once, and I haven't been back just because I was my anxiety was so high going to that movie by myself. So I what? I just, what? What movie? Terrifier two. Oh, yeah. Because my original plan was to go see Halloween Ends in the theater, and then when it popped up on Peacock for streaming that night, I'm like, "Oh, let me go ahead and check it out." And then after watching it, I'm like, "Yeah," because if it would have been good, I'd have still went to the movie theater and watched it just to help out, you know? Yeah. But when I watched it, I'm like, "Nah, nah, you're not getting my money." So I went and saw Terrifier Two because that was a limited showing. That was only in like select theaters, right? And so the studio movie Grill here in Tyler had it, and I went and watched it. And that movie has apparently done really well for itself on a minuscule budget. Not bad. That movie, and I'm not going to say that it's like story-wise, acting-wise, or anything like that. It's like, you know, Oscar-worthy or anything like that. But, man, the special effects in a movie, son. And it the is gore? Violent. Yeah. Yeah. Is, a lot was, more. is it practical you know, or digital? 
practical. Oh, it's the, all practical. The, the guy that I thought so, and that's why I was saying I could see him doing well because the first one did really well, and that was a cheap ass budget. And from what I heard, they pretty much remember where they came from and did it again, just a little bit better budget, but still pretty low budget. And it's a three yeah. hour runtime. The director is a he's a special effects guy. Yeah, that's probably why they stick with the practical effects. I mean, I and because they work. And it's his Boom. it's his creation. I obviously I think you're Terrifier the first one. Daniel, have you seen it? I think so. Me and Courtney watched it uh when it came out, but I, I believe we watched it. I can't remember. Daniel, I love you. I don't think there's no thinking to the first Terrifier. <laughs> Yeah. Either know you've seen it or you haven't. Yeah. Like it's it's I'm pretty sure I watched it, but I can't remember shit from it. Some oh, people don't have good memories as you, others. I don't think you have seen it because you would remember it. Because it's, it's about pretty, a clown, right? Yeah. And he yeah. kills people in a terrifying way. So yeah, yes, I think I got it, Josh. It. No. Yeah, it's the opposite <laughs> of it. The opposite of it. That's funny. Um it, it's it's very di- divisive, and I think Bond loved it more the first one than most people. Is that correct? No, not more than most people. Just more than you, because there's other people no, that love that movie. No, I I think there's a lot of people who did not love it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, it seems I, like, I seem uh, like I've heard the opposite. Yeah, I, I mean, I see yeah. a lot of people love it. I would say it's probably it might be fifty fifty or something like that. I'm just between me and you, I'm on the side of the fence of loving it, and I think you were on, on the side of the fence like where it was okay. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of people who hate it. So I have to ask, Bone. Obviously, you were a fan of the first one when yeah. you went to go see it. Limited release was it sold out, dude? So I was surprised how many people were in there. Yeah, I for real. Like, because when I first bought my ticket, you know, it's Studio Movie Grill, so it has a little trays where you can put food and drink and shit. So, I ordered my ticket online, and the majority of the seats are available. Not the seat I want, though. So I ended up getting a different seat. But that night when I got there, and I just pulled it up again to see what seats were still available, almost all of them were sold out. Okay, that's crazy. That's Is this the best theater you've ever been at? No. What's the best theater that you think you've ever been to watch a movie? Probably the Alamo Draft House in Austin. Because it has beer? There? Guardians 1. Oh, that's a special movie, too, though. But yeah, you could have went to the Carthage Theater and been like, that was the best thing ever. Look, honestly. It's up there. Just because. Oh, you know, I, I was I waiting. Love, to- I love my hometown. I love it. <laughs> Even though it's a hole in the wall now, it's still I, top five. I tell people to this day, like in Dahmer, at miniseries, when Carthage, Mississippi gets a shout out, I'm like, honest to God, like I could have cried. Yeah. It was, it was, and look, I hate my hometown, honestly, because it's backwards ass Mississippi, but. It filled my heart with so much joy just to see Carthage, Mississippi get a shout out. I, I Carthage, Mississippi, babe. That's that's 
It, it runs in my blood. I love it. So, yeah, Fox Theater would be up there because there's so many memories tied to that place. Well, I want to I want to go back to the theater. So let me ask you this real quick because I think one of y'all seen it. Have you, well, I think I'm guessing Daniel have, or either of y'all. Have y'all seen Violent Night? No, actually, it's funny that you bring it up. We're going to see it tomorrow. The boys want to go see it. I do kind of want to see it. I just like it looks like it's a fun premise. Yeah, a fun Christmas movie with crazy, stupid action. Yeah. It's going to be silly and goofy. You can't take it seriously, but I think it'll be a fun time. Josh is already trying to take it seriously. Look at him. No, no, no. This is a legit question. If David Harbour wasn't in it, would you go see it? Well, it depends on what the trailer looked like. Because I mean, well, no, if it was the same story, movie, like premise and shit, I'd go see it. Well, no, because maybe not. I may or may not because like him being in it does matter because you're seeing how he's playing the Santa role. A different actor. And David Harbour's amazing. I'm just yeah. asking. I'm just no, asking. A different, a different, I'm not saying anything. He's just answering. He's just I, answering. I'm actually trying to answer the question. That was Daniel you need to holler at. He's the one that uh, jumped in with the counter argument. What? No, all yeah, I said yeah, was if it was a different actor and it was the same story, I'd still go see it. Yeah, I was saying, actually, no, I may not, Josh, because it depends. Because, yeah, somebody else may play the role differently. And part of what appealed to me about the trailer was the way that David Harbour played that role. Which I agree with you, Bone. I, I, I mean, I think Mel Gibson played the same Fuck you, type of character in a movie that just came out recently. You know what? You've convinced me. I'm not going to go see that movie at all now. No, I wasn't trying to convince you to go see the movie. I was just saying David Harbour's appeal as a movie star has grown so much that you would go see this movie, which is a good thing. It, it wasn't enough to make David me go Harbour. see Hellboy. Yeah, I never saw Hellboy. I was curious to watch it, but I just never got around to it. I was never a real big Hellboy fan either. I don't even know if I've seen the second one with Ron Perlman. And I think that I've seen pieces of the first one. But I was interested to see his take on it. Just like I said, never really got around to it. So, Oh, shit, which reminds me. Go ahead, Bo. Well, no, because if you're about to say something else, I'm going to wait. Because mine was, I was just about to get back on track. Oh, okay. So what are you going to say? Oh, I was going to say that reminds me. Uh, a person who doesn't do something well is Glenn at staying up when someone asks him to fucking stay awake for a few minutes. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, that's right at the same point I was going to bring back. Because I was going to say, shit. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say shit. Yeah, Glenn's a piece of shit for not staying awake. Son of a bitch. Yeah. So she does. So what is it she decides? Uh, that she what is it? She wants to just look for him again, right? She's just wanting to find Freddy, right? Because she she's going to look for him. She invited Glenn over, and he was supposed to like watch over. Her. She yes, fell asleep. Oh, she didn't like because she was said she was going to go look for. Yeah, he just popped up on her, scared the shit out of her. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, this no guy just, that's right. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, she has him like watch over while she sleeps. Yeah. Well, you know, but. She should have already known that Glenn fell asleep when she's walking yeah, exactly. the sidewalk, and she's like, "Glenn, are you there?" And he pops no. out from a bush, like That's... a fucking cartoon character. Yeah, and he's like, that. "I'm right here with you." I love that because yeah, that, because she doesn't realize that she's in a dream because you never realize when you're in a dream. Exactly, and yeah. Glenn popping up shows her that he's asleep. But dude, and I swear, I'm popping out behind a bush. 
Bush is some Roger Rabbit shit because you don't see him like just the way it was filmed. I'm, I'm sure he's yeah. like literally behind the bush, but it almost like it looks like he's stepping in the frame like Bender used to do in Futurama where he'd do a lean no. in. Yeah. yeah. That's what Glenn looked it's, like. He did a lean in. It's like, I'm right here. Well, Freddie did the same thing earlier. Exactly. And, I, and, and it does look like or they later. used the same trick mm-hmm. for and that. Yeah. And speaking of Roger Rabbit, Charles Fleischer, who did the voice of Roger Rabbit, plays the sleep doctor. So That's right. That's right. All together. And that's something. But yeah, anyway, she is going to look for Freddy though, right? Because she just yeah. says she's going to look for someone. But then she wanders the town, you know, and, and that does feel a little bit like a um a filler. That's the only time that I feel like that that was a little bit of a filler time. Because she kind of so like explores the whole so goddamn... Huh? It's so minuscule, though, because it, it yeah. that doesn't eat up on the... Yeah, I'm not saying it took 10 minutes on it, but it's yeah. the only time where it, it lulls, you know, a little bit. She's kind of exploring. You could go refill your drink, you know what I mean, and come back, and you're good. But even then, But her, that's the only, her, like, dip. Even then, her... No, no, never mind. That's not right then. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm messing up. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying, but... I, it's still not as bad as like Halloween's downtime where we have to watch. No, not at all. And whatever. But um, she, yeah, she's dreaming and then, you know, she wakes up because her alarm clock goes off. Because she goes to the police station, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what she's doing. Yeah, she goes to the police station and she sees that. Uh, um, Freddy. No, I was no, no. I was trying to remember the guy's name. I almost called him Rob. Rod. But she sees that Rod's in danger, so she goes back to the police yeah. station to exert her authority. And it turns out her dad's there, and he's like, "Yeah, Garcia, my daughter's second in command. Let's go check on this." Yeah, exactly. Cell, like she's told you. And then you see Rob got hung by Freddie. And it's like yeah. I said, you didn't see inside Rod's dream. You saw from Nancy's perspective. And then you just saw him hung in a cell. Like you saw what was yeah. happening to him in the real world, but you didn't see his dreams. So we don't know what shenanigans Freddie was playing, which was cool because he gets into a lot of shenanigans later on in other movies. And you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. This is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's insane because it's like, who hangs himself like that? Right. And how, and what did he jump off of? You know, for like the real world, look at it, you know, cause the cops are like, what? No, he just hung himself. What the fuck did he even tie it to? It was just pulled up through the top bars, and he's like all the way up against it, you know? I know that that is nitpicky, but it is funny that they keep telling her that she's crazy when they're seeing this odd, oddly done suicide. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, that's... But I, like I said, that's nitpicky, let me, let me but it is funny. This. Let me ask you this. So after Rod's dead, and then like, you know, they're gonna, you know uh, John Saxon's like, hey, take Nancy back home, and the mom's like, I've got something better. I'm going to get her some help. It's like she was overacting that line. She did overact that one a little bit, yeah. You remember that one, Josh? Oh, yeah. Ronnie Blakely, She's she she hams it up throughout this movie. Uh, yeah, it's... The acting in this movie... It's so far at best. Still and, not as bad as what's your name in Halloween? <laughs> Annie. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, it's funny because we had brought up the funeral a little bit earlier and uh, Todd's funeral or whatever. And it's funny because, like, she's Todd. talking to her parents. Oh, what did I just say? Todd. He's the other twin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's <laughs> Ron Dunn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. And we got our uh, at, reference there. There you go. And, um,. At the funeral, she's talking to her parents about describing this person that she's saying that they've been saying, no, you're crazy, whatever. But she describes a person that they know at this point. And they're like, oh, shit, they know something's wrong. How the hell would she even know what this guy looks like? And now there's deaths. She's claiming it's that. And they're like, oh, no, bitch, you need some sleep. And the mom's like, no, she needs help. But they both just gave each other a look of she's on to something. And like, they, they still fucking and they stick her in a hospital. Oh, and when she pulls the fedora out, you know, they she probably acknowledged yeah. Freddy Krueger, but she's still like, yeah, we can put some bars in the windows. Yeah, it's crazy. Because, yeah, they bring her to the doctor. She goes to the sleep study thing and fucking she has a nightmare and wrestles with him and pulls the goddamn. Uh, several things happen. The fucking streak of hair, the streak of gray in her hair. And oh, she pulls out the fucking thing. Yeah. yeah, gets a little scratch. But oh, still, nobody's believing any of it. In that part where her and Glenn are talking or whatever, she's like, oh, my God, I look 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, hold on. Let's well, calm down all the way. Anybody over the age of 23 groans at that line, right? Yeah, exactly. But it is funny when she's talking to her parent. When she's talking to her parents, she's like, uh, he, he's burned. He's got finger knives. He has a weird hat. It's like, bitch, you make it sound like he has an oversized like cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> or like a weird hat is a, he's got a the, pork pie hat. Or... He's got the novelty hat with the two can holders. <laughs> yeah. <strong>. yeah. <laughs> it's a weird hat. Well, like this dude was chasing after me, trying to kill me in my dreams while sipping on two Miller Lights. <laughs> that's the that's my dream the guy yeah. will give me the Miller lights and I'm chasing him yeah he's like, <laughs> he's like slow down Nancy I'm just trying to share some beer with you yeah hey, no I'm chasing him and he's oh, like no, I, I won't share yeah <laughs> um, dude so yeah she, she finally finds out that Freddy is a, a vengeful like spirit ghost or whatever, you know, going after the Elm Street kids. Now it's mentioned it was twenty kids, right? Yeah. I wish that they would have stopped after the twenty kids were gone. I, th- I think if you would have, which we know it was the eighties, we know that this shit's just you know, like people aren't playing sequels or anything like that. But man, think how good it could have been if they they had a plan in mind, like, hey, we're gonna make X amount of movies based on the twenty kids. <laughs> Instead of like, oh damn, we've killed the twenty kids. Now we gotta bring in some new kids somehow. And then yeah, weird, crazy shit. I feel like the uh, the idea is that he's getting revenge on the parents of Elm Street. I don't think that it necessarily matters if it was the ones that actually did it. You know, after it started, it seems like it's just that's the lore. But it's funny because you're talking about she told, like, you know, we find out all the shit. Nancy t- Nancy's mom tells her. And it's crazy, though, because just the scene before she was fucking brought her to the hospital for help. 
And then sure that happens, they come back home, whatever the next scene, she's hiding the hat from her and still denying all of it. And then the next scene you see the mom in, she's locked, caged everything up, locked it up. But that's the time that she's like, come on down and let me fucking tell you about this whole story, but still not believe you at the same time. Yeah. It, it's really weird. I guess so. She's not fully understanding. Yeah. So, but now Nancy has the, all the knowledge about Freddie and. Now that she knows she can pull that hat out, she knows that she can try to pull something else out. She knows it's time to get the fucking army guide to booby traps out. Yeah, and go talk to Glenn just to see if he has any little tidbits about dreams that he could share with her. Dude, can we, we, talk, we talked about this. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, can we talk about how funny it is that Freddie put his name in his own hat? Oh, did yeah. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fred, God damn it. That is funny. Oh, He's man. Like, oh, well, I'm Fred Krueger. I don't yeah. want anybody stealing this. I don't want anybody finding this and making the mistake that it may be theirs. I mean, it's a weird hat and all, but it's mine. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I never, yeah, I never thought about that. So, Nancy with the fucking uh, Army Guide to Booby Traps. I can't even remember what it's called. Josh, you remember the name of the book? I meant to write it down. I didn't, though. I didn't. I didn't, actually. That doesn't matter. We know what it is. And yeah. she, comes up, she comes up with the fucking plan to pull Freddy out of the dream and kill him and everything. And it involves a 20-minute timeline. No, well, let me let me just go back just a couple of minutes. I love when Nancy sees the bars when she comes home from whatever the fuck she's doing with the Glenn having a burger on like this beautiful pier in Ohio. When Nancy comes home, she sees the bars on the window and her first reaction is gross. (laughs) She said gross again. I didn't even notice that. That's that's just her reaction to anything her mom does. Oh, gross. Yeah. and then I love how, like, when when her mom does tell her about Fred Krueger, and she shows her like his uh, his glove, like that makes Marge out to be like Jeffrey Dahmer or John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> They're keeping souvenirs. Yeah, a trophy. Of the people they kill. In my notes, I said. Um... Then she shows her the trophy she kept. <laughs> it's like she straight kept the trophy. It's like an alcoholic fucking suburban mom who's like, yeah, I'm going to keep this. Fuck this motherfucker. <laughs> she shows everyone that comes. That's part of the tour for the home. No, it's just part of the tea party, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Tea party. I meant the vodka party. Shh. <laughs> party um yeah that's I, I didn't even think about that either until you, like y'all fucking brought that up just keeping the fucking trophies from the kill yeah <laughs> so like i say we got we got this 20 minute plan now right yeah i know and i know josh and i ripped on this a lot last time we talked about it yeah so you want to make some jokes about it daniel 
Uh, well, I was going to make a joke to Tom Pass, but uh, he had said something about y'all were trying to figure out the book. I was going to say the Kevin McAllister's Guide to Booby Traps. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, that's what it seems like. But yeah. So what was the, what was the timeline, though? Like, it was she had – how much time did she allow herself to fall asleep? 20 minutes. Yeah, it was no, 20 minutes. I thought it was 20 minutes to do everything, to set the traps. Yeah, it was. It was. Because midnight was the time, right? Midnight down. was the time. It was midnight was when uh, she was was supposed to wake her up. And and when I looked at the clock, it was 1150 on the movie. Uh, And then Glenn dies. So she had 10 minutes to fall asleep? No, no. But after that, she calls the house, Glenn's house, after Glenn has died. Uh, And she tells John Saxon's character. She's like... uh, in 20 minutes, come over here and arrest the guy. And yeah. that's when she starts with the booby traps. Yeah, and then she goes to, when she goes to sleep, though, she only has like five minutes to fall asleep or some shit like that. So she sets up all these fucking booby traps and falls asleep in 20 minutes. Yeah. And like, and it's, it's not like all these booby traps are in one spot. They're all over the fucking house. They're in the basement. Yeah. They're in the stairs, the living room. You know. Well, she whatever. had to cut a hole in a light bulb, which seems yeah. very intricate. And then she had to like lift a sledgehammer up and tie it off to where yeah it was triggered by a tripwire or something. And yeah. Why do they have a s- sledgehammer? Probably some probably a trophy from another killer they burned alive. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they did the world a favor. <laughs> well, exactly. Just I just I just could imagine a spoof video that someone does of Nancy setting all that shit up, going to sleep, setting everything up. It's all set up perfect. And then her drunk ass mom fucking running and fucking going through all of these booby traps <laughs> in the same order that Freddie goes through them. God damn, that would be <laughs> Including her in our robe, climbing up the steps on fire. <laughs> yeah. No. So, uh, all it would take would be Marge like tripping over the tripwire, trying to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking exploding in her face. <laughs> <laughs> so she she set the traps all right, and then we get Glenn's death. Yeah. So Glenn's well, I mean, there's only like what? No, four it's, deaths it's, in the movie. Glenn's death before the trip, the before the booby, uh, the booby traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The booby traps starts at the final showdown. So yeah, Glenn dies oh, before well, the booby traps. Okay, I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, my bad. I got confused in my order. But anyways, well, let's talk about Glenn's death though, real quick though, because we did breeze past that. So, got to be the second death, best death in the movie, right? Because there's only like four. Yeah, yeah. And I would, I would oh, say yes, the second best. Or five, best. if you count the mom being killed twice. Twice, <laughs> she got it twice. Somehow died twice in the same fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all the blood coming out of Glenn's bed, like that's a pretty fucking uh, cool scene. It oh, really it is. is. It is so iconic. It is. Yeah. Yep. They use the rotating room again. Yeah, they did. And to we, oh, great effect. Well, you yeah, know what? we didn't talk about this uh, on this one, but I mean, we hit on it on our very first episode, and I'll bring it up for you, Daniel. Like the the set pieces in this movie all look so good. Like yeah. all these houses and everything looks like it's lived in. It looks like it looks like a real world. Like you see these other movies where they have houses and stuff, and you can tell like that shit was just placed there to look a certain way. This yeah. looks like they went legit into somebody's home and fucking videoed. Yeah. Even and that goes a long way yeah. for believability. Yeah, it looks like a real If fucking, that's a word. Yeah, I believe it is. 
applicability. Yeah, it sounds like a word that someone made up. I guess all words are made up, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a crime. But it was a great it was a great death scene. And it's funny cuz uh I did watch the um Never Sleep Again documentary. Uh it's the first time I've done that. Y'all have talked about y'all do that a lot. It's the first time I've done it. Really? And uh and I watched it first then I watched the movie. And them talking about that scene is so awesome that the the weight of the water when they dropped it in started shifting the set and they lost control of it. But they kept filming and they got all of that shit from an accident. And that's really really cool. They had one shot and it went to shit, but luckily they were able to keep it in and and all that. And apparently everyone got fucking soaked in blood for that scene. Hey, Josh. Yes. Did you catch it when I said cromulent? I did not. No, was, Daniel, when I was making a joke, Daniel immediately talked over me. I just wanted to say I got another Simpsons reference in there. When he was saying his believability of word, and I said it's a perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> Look at Daniel, he's mad. He's like, fuck crap. Oh, I'm not, I'm not mad at all. He's like, I was going to let you get your second Simpsons reference in there. That's right. Was it just we got to keep those Matt growing, hey, groaning right. checks coming in. Look, I'm just trying to embiggen this podcast. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's three. I can stop now. And actually used two of the fake words already on one podcast. Yeah. <laughs> which speaks volumes to this movie. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, this movie's fucking fantastic. I mean, this isn't going to be an episode where we argue with each other. Like, yeah. It's just going to be a matter I of... I think, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a landslide. Who scores at the highest type thing. But yeah, for real, right? Whereas but, our, the last one that me and Daniel had done was a who's going to score at the lowest thing. Yeah, I know, right? Well, and you've scored at the lowest, right? Deep Star 6, Josh. Don't watch it. It's ass. Yeah. I mean, I gave it four and a half, but Bone it's, gave it a half star. It's both fucking ass cheeks. Yeah. But, you know, we had talked about uh, parents earlier, and uh, you had said something about Glenn's mom falling for the shit with the thing. And what it is, and you learned it in this scene, that that's just her baby. She's going to believe any fucking thing he tells her. Because he's sitting there, and she's like, how do you listen to your radio and watch oh, TV yeah. at the same time? And it's like, oh, it's new Miss America or whatever, you know? And uh, she was like, well, how are you going to hear what she says? And he's like, who cares what she says? And she looks at him with the, oh, you look. And then she's like, well, be sure to, yeah. And she's like, well, be sure to go to bed. And then it's like, after you get to jerk it off, son, be sure to turn everything off and tuck yourself in, you know? Which, which to me, that just speaks volumes to the script, which is the story is polished you know, a thousand times over, you can see yourself in the reflection of this story. That's how great this story is. But Craven, with his dialogue, where he's calling, we're right, you know, up up yours with the twirling lawnmower. And I think Rod calls his dick a joint. <laughs> yeah. No, Tina, like, Tina calls his dick a joint. Yeah. Like, I'm, I mean, look, I, I don't know what, 1984 teenagers called their dicks, but I doubt it was a joint like this. Yeah. I know like when Craven wrote this script, he was like, this is funny. Who cares what she says? Yeah. That's, it's so weak as a 
what he's going for, you know? But exactly, like, I know what you're, what you're saying. Like, who cares what she has to say? It, we're all having a hearty laugh in the theater. Yeah. Know? Hey, you did, uh, you were talking about um, Glenn's parents. I like how his father takes the phone. Oh, yeah, he ain't bull. He has no nonsense. And he shuts that shit down. He's like, you just got to be firm with these kids sometimes. Yep. Hey, hey, you got to be firm with these kids. I don't give a fuck if my mom is dying. Yeah. <laughs> We're not answering the phone. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Let me just pull it off the hook completely. <laughs> so we, um, yeah, Glenn dies. The house is barred up. The booby traps have been set. We're coming up on the final showdown. And um, Nancy's got to go to sleep. She makes the plan and tells her father like 20 minutes or, you know, you got to come into yeah. the house. So Sets her traps. Sets her traps, goes to sleep, and then she ends up in the dream world with Freddy. Yeah. And she has to pull him into the real world. So she has to get close to him, pull him into the real world. So here we go, right? Final showdown. Kind of like, uh, you know, maybe if they had like Europe. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. That's the yeah. song. I'll get that wrong. It's the final showdown. Yeah, that one. So, yeah. But anyways, so she's in the dream. She pulls Freddy out, and now we're going through a fucking home alone shit. Yeah. We're gonna see Freddy hit all these fucking traps. So he catches a sledgehammer in the stomach. What what all happened? You have to Alright, he he trips over the tripwire, and that's what triggers the uh, sledgehammer, and it hits him, right? Yeah. And then does he turn a light switch on to, to make that fucking light bulb come on and explode in his face? I can't remember. I think he does. I think that that's the trap. But I can't remember him hitting the switch, because that would be funny. Like, <laughs> that'd be goofy. As goofy as this stuff all gets anyway. But, but yeah, it's the sledgehammer, the exploding light bulb, and... Uh, then she ends up running down to the to the cellar or to the basement. Well, we'll ask Josh. You'll probably know. What were all the booby traps? We got the sledgehammer and the light bulb. What else was there? You're muted. There was the tripwire. That triggered the sledgehammer, right? Yeah, that triggered no. the sledgehammer. Yeah. Uh, what triggered the light bulb? Well, Daniel thinks that's what I was switch. saying. No, no, like, no, no, the the no, the, uh, the chirp triggered the light bulb, and the sledgehammer was brought upon him opening the door. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. The micro machines. <laughs> well, that, that, I was going to ask something like that too, similar. But I was going to say about the the jumping jacks, but I like the micro machines better. Yeah. All right, that was that was gold. Christmas ornaments. <laughs> When did he get the saran wrap, you know, full of like glue? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> he got tarred and feathered. Yeah. Oh man, that was good. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, she you do the fucking booby traps and everything, but she she's pulled him into the real world at this point. No, uh, not yet, because no, something yeah, else really did. funny happens when she goes into. <laughs> When he goes oh wait, no, I'm so sorry. My bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got I got fucked up for a second. Continue. My bad. Yeah, she so she lights a fire, locks him in the basement, and then she tries to go to the door to get help. 
right? All right, I'm sorry. That's where I wanted to stop you. I'm so okay. sorry because it was so funny. Whenever, whenever she's down in the basement and it's time to fuck him up, and I think that actually y'all brought this up on your episode, but it it hit me this time. When she peeks around the corner and fucking is about to hit him with that bottle and scares the shit out of him, Holy it is Jesus. fucking hilarious because it scares him. It is so fucking funny. It scares him. Yeah, and then she hits him with that bitch and sets him on fire. That's all I wanted to bring up because it was so funny. And I, like I said, I think it was y'all that brought that up on the on the pilot episode. God, it was so funny. <sighs> So they, they, she goes to the door to get help, right? And they finally come up yeah. there. And this is, they find out that he's not in the basement no more. And this is when they go upstairs to find that he's like killed the mom. They yeah, they follow the, the flame footprints. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, like, and this, you have to be as cops, like everybody that saw, saw that has to now believe and fucking ghosts and demons and boogeymen, right? Because you just, yeah, something dude, supernatural. You just witnessed a dude that you all knew you burned to death. Fucking walk up the stairs and sink into a mattress into another dimension with the mom. Yeah, exactly. No, I love I love Don I love Donald John Saxon's reaction. He's like, right. <laughs> well, you kind of feel like that was probably a loveless marriage anyway. <laughs> I don't have He's to like, for alimony. no more alimony. Because he literally does not give a fly fuck. He doesn't. He's like, it's over. It's like, your mother's dead, but who cares? Freddy's gone too. It's over, sweetie. I got you. So, it's like, look, I don't even believe in an afterlife. And I don't yeah. even give a shit. This is $230. Yeah. That I'm saving <laughs> on Miller Lite. Exactly. Um. So after, yeah, after they disappear into the... Uh, into Dimension X. Ether. Yeah. Freddie comes up out of the, comes up behind Nancy and she's like Oh, oh in such a great way. That's another iconic scene iconic. if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, and she's just like, uh, you don't have any I can't remember exactly what she said, but essentially it was like you don't have any power over me anymore. I'm yeah. scared of you. Yeah, and he just fucking like fades through her as he dives yeah. her. She took Glenn's advice and it worked. Which which is kind of clever though in a way because you've left the door open for sequels if you want to do sequels because you didn't really vanquish Freddy. You just said no. you're not affecting me anymore. Yeah, Nancy's you safe. No power, you have no power over me. Yeah. But then it turns out she didn't even believe that shit because she'd been taking him to seal for like 18 years. Dude, no, no, no. What's funny is that she didn't believe it because whenever she goes and grabs that goddamn door, she pauses. Like, I hope this works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then luckily for her, it does, because otherwise she'd have been stabbed in the fucking back. And then you have the the, the morning after, and you know. Yeah. I don't know. Courtney called it the heaven scene. She really did die. Well, I, you know, I've got Wikipedia pulled up on this, and I'm looking at it, and, it, and they, the phrasing, I'm going to read this to you, the way they phrase, phrase it. Nancy steps out into a bright and foggy morning while her friends and mother are alive. Bright and foggy. When do you ever see bright and foggy fucking? Never. Never. Sun eats up the fog. I know that from work. You, when the sun comes out, you can drive again because the fog's gone. There's one of the 17 things. We know three. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. That's number 13. But I was just, I never really thought about that until I saw this fucking phrasing right here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because there was always something that looked, and I, I see why Courtney would say the heaven scene, because, yeah, it looks kind of whimsical and dreamy when you don't never see fog and sunlight together. But they, yeah. 
they get into the fucking car that the convertible that has the red and green stripes, and they pull Nancy's mom through the through the door, and now this woman has managed to die twice in the same fucking movie. Exactly. And I love how it ends. It ends as beautifully as it begins with them panning over and the little girls are fucking jumping on the jump rope. Yeah. And I love that shit, Which dude. Which I think the little girls on the jump rope would be another like iconic scene, wouldn't you, Josh? No, that's I what they said. I yeah. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I remember. But for me, when it comes to the theory of what the hell just happened, what did we just Jane. witness? Yes. Real quick. Do the nursery rhyme. One, two, Freddy's after you. Come I'm just board. fucking with you. Yeah, I know. I know it. But uh, well, I'll throw it in there. It. I'm gonna. I'm gonna surprise you guys with it. Okay. <laughs> oh, but I'll, I'll. You know me. I'll lose my thought, man, and I'll never get it back. What's my name again? <laughs> but anyway, for me, the theory of it is um. If the little girls are signifying a dream, then that means she's still in a dream. Meaning the whole fucking thing is a dream. And we don't know what the fuck happens with her. It's a dream. You know, like this whole situation was Nancy's dream. This wasn't Tina's dream or anything like that as well. And none of this shit even happened. This is just Nancy Thompson's nightmare that we saw play through. And apparently it's not going to stop. What if Christopher Nolan remade A Nightmare on Elm Street? I don't know. They would want to make it realistic and fuck up just like the new one did. Well, he's generally pretty good with like the thought provoking. He needs somebody to help him with the action scenes in it, right? I guess. I don't know. Well, that, that's always like the criticism you hear about him is like he doesn't know how to do action scenes. I don't think there he knows how to do too thought provoking that good either, but that's just me. Oh, Josh has turned Which on Christopher Nolan. When did this happen? Really? You told us the Inception was your favorite movie ever. You said that it was the most underrated movie in history, is what I remember you saying. It's true. I don't know why I flip flopped so hard on that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hey, Danny, you got some notes? Uh, yeah, I can pull from uh something. Um. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. While sleeping, he gets sucked into his bed and dumped out as a pool of blood. They don't need a stretcher. They need a mop. Because the, the coroner is in the john puking his brains out. Nancy asks her dad to do what Glenn obviously couldn't. Um, because it's booby trap Tom McAllister style. That's one of them. I got a little fucked up. Let's see. Let me get you another one. Anthony bathes and sings the lullaby. Falls asleep in the tub and Freddy is there in the tub with her. Marge wakes her up with the offer of heated up warm milk. Gross. She falls back asleep immediately and the bottom of the tub drops out from under her and Freddy tries to drown her. Her mom gets to her and Nancy is just like, don't be tripping. (laughs) Time for some stay awake pills. Because you know she was so nonchalant about it. Yeah. You know what I think is funny about listening to Daniel read those, Josh? What's that? He sounds like he's reading a bedtime story to his kids. <laughs> it's just no, it is it is funny because it's like that's how it is in my head whenever I'm writing this shit, you know? That sing-songy tale of this horrific things I'm explaining. Yeah. All Not right. tale, but voice. I guess we are 
Well, you know what? Before we give our final thoughts, there's one thing that we didn't touch on, and I'm surprised we didn't. But the the score for the movie. Yeah, I love that shit. I meant to bring it up, but didn't have a good chance. But that little piano lick is so eerie. Yeah. It's so haunting. I fucking love it. I think that it was another episode that we had talked, or maybe it was just us like chatting. But I had asked Josh if he remembered where uh, he had found something and shared it with me once, where it was just the the uh, score behind only the environmental shots. There was no actors in there. And this shit was so creepy and haunting. And that's it. It was just a few minutes of the environments of Nightmare on Elm Street with that music behind it. And it still works. Like, this movie is a masterpiece. Yeah. It's it's crazy, man. I, I love I that think, shit. I think it was Charles Bernstein, I think, who did the score. It is. You're correct. I think he drops the ball a little on the chase sequences. If you know what I'm talking about. Like, it just feels almost 80s whimsical. But when it comes to atmosphere, and I'm not talking about chase sequences, I think this, I think he captures it perfectly. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. How did, what was your opinion on it, Bone? Did you love it or did yeah, you hate it? I was gonna say, I'll start this one off and let you guys go after me. I loved it. I, uh, I don't think that that's going to come as a surprise because I think anybody who's listening to this episode right now knows we all loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, 91 minutes, that's a that's a short runtime, and it worked. You know, Not every movie needs to be two hours, two and a half hours, whatever. I don't feel like there was any wasted time in a movie, really. Everything was moving the story along. You got you got some really good kills, and it wasn't just like it was a high body count. You know, you had the mom die twice, but like every kill was a memorable. <laughs> yeah, kill. they tried. Yeah, every kill is a memorable kill. The special yeah. effects are fucking fantastic. I love them. Um, you know, Freddy's scary in this movie. It's all the things that you'd want from a horror movie. I give it five stars. Hell yeah, I agree with uh, most everything that you're saying. Um, yeah, like you said, it's just a love fest from us because this movie is so fucking great. You know, like, it, it's just everything. It, it, I've seen this movie probably five, 50 times. You know what I'm saying? That's just an, a throwing it out there. I know that 50 would probably be close. I don't want to say a thousand. That's ridiculous. But to be able to watch that movie so many times over the past, you know, my entire fucking life and still be able to watch it today and just be able to appreciate all these great things about it. It's just, everything is so fucking good. Like, Oh man, the potential for this story was limitless. It was limitless until one fucking quote, (laughs) Josh, you're shaking your head. You know what I'm about to say? Uh, I don't actually, I don't welcome to prom time, bitch. Because that was his first, like, joke to us as the viewer. It feels like. And then people were like, loved that line. And they were like, well, we got to do a lot more of that. And that's where it starts to decline. It's like, y'all watch Futurama, right? Yep. Yeah. Zach Brannigan gives the book to Kiff on how to, like, pick up women. He's like, he's like, here, take this and say all of these as fast as you can. 
<laughs> That's what it became like with Freddie. It's like, oh, he made a one-liner and it was funny. All right, here's a book of one-liners. Say all these as quick as you can. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, but yeah, so... Stars, bro. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, I was kind of getting, you know, off into whatever, but uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, for me, it's four, star, four and a half stars. And uh, I just... I don't know. I can't say enough good things about it. I think that the only thing that would hold me back from that five star rating is the obvious things that Wes Craven, you know, <laughs> uh, buckled on when it came to Robert Shea or yeah, Robert Shea fucking trying to convince him to do things to where he could put his stank on it. And that's how it ended up being the stank parts of the movie, you know, the blow up doll through the fucking little window you know, the uh, oatmeal steps or whatever the oh, hell they I use, love, Bisquick. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But it seemed like it. you could tell that it was a little bit of a break from some of the other things he was doing, you know? Like, because it seemed like that was, uh, at one point they were like, hey, give me ideas, people, of what kind of bad dreams you've had and maybe we can incorporate it if we can. And someone just made up that they've had dreams of being up, going up steps, running, and they're getting stuck to it, you know. But and the the mom's death, which we skipped over a little bit, was she turned into a skeleton, hovered, and then went down into like Bone said, another realm. You know, it was a little bit on the goofier side. I don't know if that was a Bob Shea call or not, but it seemed, you know, odd. Which Wes Craven is not infallible. His the booby traps are all Wes Craven, so he's not infallible at all. You know, so Wes Craven has. But four and a half, I love it. Yeah, he he's admitted that he loves booby traps. Yeah, and and that's evident in this fucking movie. Um, for me, this movie is Craven's magnum opus, and you know the master of horror. His being his magnum opus, that's, you know, uh, that's that says a lot. For me, this this movie is damn near perfect. And the problems I have with this movie are what I think Craven's weaknesses are. I think you know, and we've covered Shocker. We've covered People Under the Stairs, and we'll end up covering Wes Craven's uh, New Nightmare. And I think, honestly, the guy has ideas that are amazing. He just can't complete them to its full fruition what it should be. And... I think Nightmare is the same. I think this movie's goddamn near perfect. And I was about to pause it for once Nancy started doing her Viet Cong circa 1967, you know, tricks. And to me, that's where this movie... I, I, I lose... I lose interest in it. When when Nancy scares Freddy, you've lost me. 
you've you've actually lost a half a star when your heroin kills uh, scares your villain. Uh, it's four and a half for me. Honestly, if he would have had just if he would have just rewrote that third act or had somebody else come in, um, this movie would not only be five stars, but when we did our final ranking, this movie would probably be number one for me. If yeah. if that third act didn't follow the that trajectory of booby traps, honestly. I mean, you've created the most iconic American monster. American monster. You created him. And then you had him like fall to a sledgehammer. Like when Freddy, like the the Pratt falls that Freddy does. You know, the even when he's like Nancy scares him and then she sprays him with gasoline, it scares him even more. Yeah, I, yeah, he does go. He does get a little like, Ooh, but that's understandable. The gasoline's no, I understandable. Get, I get it. I get it. But, yeah, but what you've created before that, yeah, is so is that yeah, he's badass in dreams, but once he comes yes. out in the real world, he's a pussy. Which usually is about the way that it happens in the rest of these. Once he's in the real world, he's like, oh shit, I don't want to be here because I know what could happen. You know? Yeah. Unless he's in. Freddy's dead to where he's playing a video game. But, like, yeah. even the scene, even the scene of him on uh, Nancy's mom, Marge, and they go into the bed, like, I don't even mind that. Like, even the special effects, it's like, yeah, man, go crazy there. Yeah. Just don't make Freddy a fucking scaredy cat bitch in the real world. Yeah. And you got me. And they did that it's four and a half stars and i hate to say that because this movie is very personal to me and it, i'm a it's a plus up until that point i'm i'm say i'm surprised i honestly didn't think you'd go that low on this movie it's a kind of a shock to me you, you look and this is this is my thing especially it's with movies in general especially with horror movies though man with movies in general, though, you gotta stick the third act. If you don't stick the landing, that's a big sticking point for me. That's a big yeah. sticking point. You gotta stick the landing, man. All right. Um. Cool, man. I think we've. Uh, I want to point this out. We covered a lot, and Josh, I don't know how we fucking did that first episode the way we did because that was almost three hours, but we covered three movies and. We've just spent over two hours talking on one movie this time. Yeah, I don't think that y'all dissected it like we did in this one. We just, I think that, because I was thinking about that as we're doing it. We love this fucking movie so much that we tried to make it a point to not leave anything unsaid that we, I'm sure we'll all think of something we forgot, but tried to, every little thing about it, you know? And, you know, so it does require dissecting every little thing, even the stuff we poke fun at and the things that we loved and all of that. So yeah, this was a, this was, a, this is a good one. You got, um, which final, uh, thoughts there, Josh? I, 
You know, honestly, it's... I love this movie so much, and I just wish that it didn't come down to Nancy setting booby traps. Honestly, I think that's just... it. I love it, and it disappoints me so much. And every time I watch it, like, even more so now, when I watch it and I see that, it's like, I just, I don't mind her bringing him, bringing him into the real world. Actually, that's, that's par for the course, but just setting booby traps, like him jangling the door trying to get it open. It just it takes away so much from the character. All right. Um, what's our next movie in this uh, chronologically? I think it's uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Five. Friday yeah, I think Park so. Uh, a new beginning. That should, that should be a doozy. Yep. All right. Well. Oh. Hey. So. I think, man, does. Yeah, I get what you're saying, Josh. I mean, you got some valid points there. For me, it's still going to be five stars. Love the movie. Um, had a, had a great time talking about it, and hopefully, you know, once we get past the holidays, we can get get onto it. As we're recording this, we're in a holiday time frame. We can get into doing some more, or all three of us are together. Um, but yeah, I appreciate everybody listening. I'm sure, Josh does too. Daniel, you had something you wanted to say before we got off the air? Yeah, I had a final thought. Um, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, better stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. 